Welcome to this episode of North Beach Now, produced in December 2021. This is podcast producer Blair Helsing. Comstock Saloon at Columbus and Pacific Avenues represents an outstanding incarnation of the bars that have stood at this location for 114 years. Seated in the basement on the rainy night of the winter solstice, saloon keeper, manager, Michael Bacon, gave generously of his time as we talked through masks. Occasionally, you'll hear some of the restaurant staff operations around us. Your correspondent was sipping a Sazerac, one of his favorite cocktails, while we spoke. This interview packs in a lot of detail about cocktail lore, bars of the Barbary Coast past, and of present-day North Beach. Hearing inside stories from Michael was a very good time, much like spending time in Comstock Saloon. I hope you enjoy this episode. As we get started, Michael is talking about Johnny the Bartender, New Orleans, influence in the menu and the cocktail selections, and jazz music. Our uh, bar founder, Johnny, modeled a lot of his style and recipe after New Orleans. It's very special to him, as is bourbon. And then it brings us to the idea of why we have jazz in the first place. Because we opened uh, the bars from 1907, and it's been through a couple of different things since then. But when um, when Alan Paul had the brewery, he started the, the jazz uh, Hal Bigler band who will be here tonight. Hal Bigler has passed away, but the name remains. And we wanted to have jazz because it was appropriate to the age of pre-prohibition America. And it is one of the truly American art forms that we do well as Americans along with cocktails. And those things are like something of an ambassador, what an ambassador would do. It's the kind of diplomacy that we as Americans should do more of it. Send our jazz and our cocktails around the world. Right about here, Michael and I spoke about Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong going around the world as musical ambassadors, and maybe where that could have led to. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, he, he probably should have been made like emperor of America or something. <laughs> We, we can wish that happened. Well, he was royalty, definitely, for sure. Yes. Well, I, I found a quote that I think is such a good point of departure, and you've already spoken of the opening of this location in 1907, and now we come up to the present day, and I saw this quote, the last standing bar in the Barbary Coast, and I thought that was had so much behind it, and... Um, could also be misinterpreted by someone who read it too fast. That's true. <laughs> You've probably come across that. So it's, explain the standing bar part of that. Well, I think it doesn't mean that you, you stand there were no bar stools, though it probably didn't have bar stools in those days. It meant that the ones that have been rebuilt are not bars anymore. However, there is the old ship, yes. but it wasn't on the coast, it was in the water. So I guess that makes the phrase somewhat lawyerly correct. <laughs> More of a marketing term, perhaps. But what we think of as the Barbary Coast was pretty much along here on Pacific. And this was called Battle Row up here on Kearney. It was one of the most notorious night spot areas. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, around the 
20s, 30s, 40s, they were phasing out Pacific Avenue as a nightlife spot. And so we're the last one on Pacific, at least all the way down to what was the water where the old ship is. Mm-hmm. But they're a good neighbor of ours, and they haven't called us out on it. <laughs> okay. Very good. So your offerings include vintage cocktails. Right. Upscale bar fare. Yes. I'd like to dig into both of those with you. Uh, cozy booths, and we'll talk more about the live jazz. So the, the cocktails. I, I have the menu here right. uh, of, of, I guess, what are your classics. It's true. Now, the Pisco Punch may have been uh, different than what we drink today because the person who made it uh, took the recipe to the grave, Duncan Nickel. He worked here at what's now the Transamerica Pyramid Building, and it was then called the Montgomery Block. Mm -hmm. Now, that Pisco Punch that we serve is very lemony, and it has pineapple in it. Um, Anyone who knows anything about those old days would know that pineapple was pretty hard to get and very exotic. Uh, In fact, they used to rent them out for dinner parties in London and places, so you could have it on your table for an hour or two, and then move it somewhere else. No one ever ate the things, I guess. But we believe there was pineapple in those drinks. Um, and the Pisco came up from uh, South America. It's a, it's a brandy. And it was really almost unheard of in my lifetime until maybe 10 years ago. And I mean in the bar world. You, you couldn't mm-hmm. get a Pisco punch that I know of. Mm-hmm. And our good neighbors, the Devil's Acre up here, mm-hmm. serves it and it's red. So they have another idea of what kind of wine was used in it. It's brandy, but ours is more yellow and uh, citrusy. But it's fun that you can go just a block away and get a Pisco Punch, and it's so different, but also very good. So they, they may have used cocaine leaves in it. Uh, we don't have that, of course. And I, I doubt it was like a, a, a drug-inducing drink, but the leaves were used for some kind of flavoring. So that that recipe has not been handed down. It's been cobbled together. <laughs> but I love the Pisco Punch at both places here. Um, and the bamboo is a low alcohol drink um, because not everybody wants a super strong drink all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not sweet either. Okay. The Cherry Bounce may have been a recipe from Martha Washington. Wow. And uh, it's punchy. It's like a little punch bowl with just enough bourbon and topped with Prosecco to give it a unique fizz. It's very nice. The Hop Toad is a sour cocktail. Um, I haven't seen it on any other menus. Uh, it's it's obscure, and it has Jamaican rum. Now, the Pim's Cup is near and dear to me because I love things from England, mm-hmm. and it's Victorian, also a secret recipe, mm. but I'm betting it has tea in it, being English and Victorian. It does kind of come across as a tea when you mix it. Yes. So that's on tap here. We make it and put it in the keg. Wow. So we may be the only place around this area that has it on tap. And another note on that, Johnny uh, introduced the PIMS the way they serve it in New Orleans to California. As far as I know, he was the first. Because they have a certain kind of lemon-lime soda that they use in, in Louisiana. You may know which one it is. Uh, no, I don't. It's like a 7-Up. Yeah, okay. Sprite, but it's mm-hmm. called lemon-lime soda. Mm-hmm. So... That syrup recipe is is in our pins, which is served by the jug, if you like, or by the glass. And the Martinez is one that no one can agree upon the origin of it. Just like the martini, 
This was supposedly made for a guy who lived in Martinez, and they made the drink here. It sounds like a mm. stretch. A bit. Uh, but nobody can really tell you where who made the first martini. Though I did find what sounded like one in a book from 1846. It was a novel by uh, Thackeray, William Thackeray. And there's something in there with gin and some bitters in it. So it sounds like the Martinez, mm -hmm. but it may not have had a name. Mm -hmm. they, they were just making these drinks, but nobody um, right. nobody can tell you for sure who made the martini. Some will try, but it's as far as I know, it's never been nailed down, which is beautiful in a way. It, it just organically appeared. <laughs> the bar keeps whimsy. It's just whatever the bartender wants to make you, but we always ask people, what do you like or what don't you like? So that gives the bartender and the guest some nice interaction and things to try. And the bartender needs the guest's reaction so that he or she will know if it's a good drink. So Makes that's, sense. It's yeah. fun, and it, oh, it's a conversation maker. Absolutely. So that covers some of our top topics. Oh, very nice. Well, let's talk about the jazz music here. Uh, there was jazz here before you had to close in March of 2020. Yes. You resurrected the program. We have. And you're open Tuesday to Sunday now. Correct. As, as I've said. We're closed on Sunday. You're closed on Tuesday to Saturday then. Right, yes. And you have live jazz every night you're open. We have. We missed a few as we reopened trying to get things back in order and, and get the musicians back. Sure. And we've been very careful with everybody. The jazz has played upstairs. The musicians have all been screened and vaccinated. But uh, back to a more a lighter note, um, we couldn't imagine not having it. Uh, it's it adds something to the someone's night out and just to walk by and hear live music. That's kind of hard to find. We've never charged a cover because that puts people off sometimes. But we do think that maybe we're not going to charge a cover. But some of the bands that we would like to have are getting more money at places who do charge a cover. So we're we're dealing with that. We're getting some younger people in. Um, for the Saturday night. It's a little more lively. Okay. Um, but some of our band members are in their 80s. For instance, tonight we're going to have Waldo Carter, and he plays the trombone and other horns and has played with some of the greats. We mentioned Duke Ellington earlier. He played with him, and he worked in Las Vegas in the 50s, so a lot of people went through there. Yes. He won't tell me in much many of the stories. I try to get one a week out of it. <laughs> uh, but we have all ages playing jazz. Caroline Chung is a well-known Bay Area bassist and band leader, and her groups performed at Comstock in years past. They have returned now that the venue has reopened. Uh, you mentioned Caroline, and she has many different personnel in her band, mm -hmm. the Citizens Quartet. Mm -hmm. um, they play classics like bebop and that era. Right. Some of our jazz is earlier. On Fridays we have gaucho, and they are a unique brand of gypsy jazz, which is like uh, Django Reinhardt played. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the, he invented the genre or made it popular. Mm -hmm. So it sounds a lot like that. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the closest to when this was open, that time frame. Right. But we go clear up to you know the 50s and 60s with the, the standards that they play. And you're finding a deep pool of people to bring in. Yes, although some of them can make more money elsewhere. We, we wish them well. and We can't keep them, perhaps. We have newer people trying out. 
some nights I just have a, a pianist, a piano player, and it seems like it fits a weeknight well. Um, our vocalist and pianist, Katie Stefan, is so versatile. She does all genres and takes requests, and people just love her. She's She reminds me of the piano teacher we all had a crush on or something. She's that type of person, just so loving and so sweet. Um, but, boy, she can belt them out, too. She's got a good voice. But we do see the jazz as part of the experience. It's three hours a night, so it's not the entire night. That could get a little much, perhaps. But it's usually from 8 to 11. Okay. And it's like a dinner show, if you will. Right, right. Well, speaking of dinner, let's talk about food. Thank you. Yeah, now we have a, a bar that, that is required to serve food. Some of the licenses, it's an option, but we've always served food, and that's the kind of license we have. So we've tried to make it not just old-fashioned, but, you know, regionally. Uh, we go for the fresh stuff that we can get. Things change seasonally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, we, we get our oysters from, at this point, I think it's back in the West Coast. But we get them from different places ever since the uh, the one in Marin shut down maybe yes back. so we were happy to use those when we could but we sure we've gotten some from Canada sure and people love those um, oysters I've never been to New Orleans but I'm guessing they have that's a thing there it's get. a big thing there that's probably how that got on our menu sure because Johnny's love for New Orleans jazz and oysters we have the oysters <laughs> painted on the wall outside so that people know we have them. And it's a great food to have before dinner with drinks. Um, well, in another property at Absinthe, you have a, a seafood bar, as I recall, too. Yes, they've made some changes over there because of the pandemic. Um, but we are part of their group, so we have access to the same suppliers and supply chains they have. And, they, and the chefs uh, kind of work together to to put things together. We don't have a dessert right now, we have the cheese plate. And our dinner That's menu nice. was, it was scaled way back after the pandemic. It may come back more, but we just have what we can do, what we can do well. And in this day and age, people want those burgers. Um, I keep thinking they're gonna go out of style, but they, they're <laughs> they not. Never do. They never do. So we have a special burger for people if they want that. We could even do an okay. impossible burger. Okay. I haven't tried it yet. I have not tried it yet either. We have it, so that's a thing. Good. Um, we don't do brunch anymore. We're focusing on the evening only at this time. But I think you can find some wonderful items for snacking or for a full meal. And it's a pretty short read. So there's a chicken dish, a burger, the oysters, and then some, some other like snack items. Very good. But everything's selected with great care and... and this, you know, the olives are special kind, and the Castel Vetrano. It's it's sort of like we're a gourmet restaurant, but we're a casual feel. But the dinner is a little less formal than it was. However, mm -hmm. it is still a great place to bring a date. And we get lots of people who have romantic dinners here, and then they mm -hmm. return for their anniversaries, mm -hmm. or they, they had the first date here. Right. So we have hundreds of guests that do that. That's wonderful. People always look so happy when I come in here. That's good. Invariably. And that's also the Sazerac is excellent. Oh, that's I'm good. I'm enjoying it very much. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right. We're doing an interview. But, yeah, it won't no be problem. Long. Why don't you go to the desk? It's okay. You can, yeah, I'm sorry. We'll be just a moment. Yeah, we're, we're just wrapping up pretty much. Um, 
well, website and social media so people know where they can see you online. Yes, we have a team that does that because they're better at it than we are. So, for instance, we're going to do a jazz playbill style with our bands. And I couldn't get it to print. I'm, I guess I'm living in the 19th century <laughs> over here. But uh, we, we intend to keep the jazz going. And uh, we couldn't imagine, again, the bar without it. That's a great thing. I can't imagine rock and roll up there or country or opera. I'll tell you, between you and me and the listener, I would love to see much more jazz come into the neighborhood. It's it a legacy be. of our neighborhood. It should be a jazz neighborhood. Yeah. And, and not exclusively, but with a much greater presence than we see today. Yes. And it's usually not super loud. We, no. we try, but it can get loud. But we have two bars, so if you didn't want to hear it, you sure. could, you could go next door. Sure. <laughs> used to be a barbershop on that side, correct? That's right. Yeah. With, and the tile is still there. It's still there. Some people said it looks like the Star of David. So I've heard theories that it was a, a, a deli. And we don't have a record of that. We believe it was a barbershop. Okay. Could have been a Jewish barber. Who knows? <laughs> but it's a beautiful floor. It has its little flaws, but it's wonderfully preserved. Yeah, it's quite beautiful. Would you like to mention any of the other restaurants and properties that are in the group other than Absinthe? Sure, we have Absinthe is a mothership down in Hayes Valley. And next door to Absinthe is Arbor. Thank you. Oh. Now, you'll notice a lot of them start with A, B, and C because the owner believes that's like how you find places, top of the list. Makes sense. So Arbor is a casual, what they call fast casual place, and it has a back garden that they share with Arlequin Wine Merchant. So it's also on Hayes. Right. Just around the corner is Acna. It's a um, Mexican place, but it's Yucatan specifically. Mm -hmm. So everything looks a little different to what we're used to here. Um, the tamales are square, for example. Okay. And they're delicious. Okay. That one may not be open much longer. I just wanted you to, to let you know it may be sure. changing hands. And bayota is a Spanish word for the type of nuts they feed to the the uh, jamón serrano to get the, the pigs yeah, yeah yeah exactly right so Saw that in Spain yeah peyote is that okay that acorn I right the acorn yeah and come to find out it's Catonia which is our neighbor in Italian that's our good neighbor over here <laughs> but we do like the idea of North Beach having good neighbors and being a destination we, it's not just competition we want people to come back to North Beach it's been pretty quiet since the pandemic it's slowly showing signs of life again. And to me, it's like the most beloved part of San Francisco. It's the part of San Francisco you think of when you hadn't been there or your first tr trip. So maybe it's a little touristy for some. And uh, as you said, there aren't enough jazz venues. But with some luck, maybe I hope they can get Broadway improved somehow. Mm -hmm. It struggles a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but. We're just good friends with Vesuvio and Specs, and they come here and we go there. It's it truly good is. It's like a small town over here. Yes. And if something happens to someone, God forbid, if they're ill, or the community comes together, and they we lost a bartender of ours to cancer a few years back, and the the outpouring of love was just incredible. David Lupo uh, worked at several other places around. It was very touching. So it's not like you're just in a big city where nobody cares. North Beach is as close to a small town or family as you can get. 
So we want to foster that. Also with the Coppola property here, Zoe Trope. Yeah. Don't tell anyone, but that's my hideout. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs one. Yes. So, um, well, I'm just so flattered that you came, and, and I, I may have rambled on a bit. But, oh, you uh, not at all. Um, this was just terrific. I really appreciate it. I've been sitting here in the basement of Comstock Saloon with Michael Bacon, the manager. So much appreciate your time and telling the stories of where we are and what you offer today. And thank you so much. I thank you. And I was going to tell you one more thing. Is sure. We do, a, we do a Kentucky Derby party in the daytime on the Saturday of the Kentucky Derby. Oh, okay. And it's, I always work nights, so I've only seen the after effects, but it looks like a blast. Remind me what time of year that it's is. It's in the spring. It's in the spring. Yeah. Sure. I, it of may course. be like May or something. Ah. Okay. And the, the ladies wear Take the, note, the ladies wear the hats and stuff, and there's a oh. they bring a little Shetland pony down for the kids, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> the big kids too. Anyway, that was the one. Okay. That's one special event we do. Duly noted. Yes. And Very there's good. lots of bourbon. Lots and of lots. Of course, of there would be mint juleps. Perfect. Thank you, Blair. I will listen to your podcast. Okay, I should have it up about a week from now. I'll send you an email once it's posted. Okay. Um, there's three years of other people in the neighborhood speaking, if you'd like to check any of the earlier ones out. And I bet you I know some of them. I'm sure you do. Thank you, Blair. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of North Beach Now. Many thanks to Michael Bacon of Comstock Saloon. I hope you enjoyed the interview. We're preparing new episodes for early 2022. Thanks for listening. Signing off from Telegraph Hill. <laughs>